Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Today, Reverend Sarah Leonard tells us about the generosity of God. Say it with me. We are a church growing and thriving, overflowing with love, strengthening the family, transforming the community, impacting the world, where every member is a minister and a church alive is worth the drive. Amen. All right. Praise God. With no further ado, our very own Miss Sarah Leonard. All right. Good morning. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, so the only jokes I could come up with were snowman jokes. So I'll just tell you those. Um, why was the snowman looking through a pile of carrots? He was picking his nose. <laughs> and where does the snowman keep his money? In a snow bank. You got it, Ashley. You get a prize. <laughs> so, surprisingly enough, um, Christmas should be a very joyful time, but I think for a lot of people, it's a time of sadness and loneliness. Um, they maybe can't be with family, or they don't have family, or they've lost a loved one, and so that loneliness and emptiness is in your face when you're watching Hallmark movies that tell you that the meaning of Christmas is all about being with the people you love, and you can't do that for whatever reason. And um, I really experienced that when I was living in Alaska. There was a Christmas I wasn't able to come home. I wasn't able to get the time off work my first Christmas there. And I really hadn't established a lot of friendships there yet. Um, I didn't know very many people. And so I felt, I didn't think it would hit me that hard, but I just felt this overwhelming sadness just hit me. And, uh, you know, I watched some of the traditional Christmas movies, even my favorites, you know, that like um, White Christmas and Elf. And they all say that the meaning of Christmas is being with the people you love. And I couldn't do that. So, um, you know, I got to FaceTime with them on Christmas Day, which was actually a challenge. I don't know if you all have ever tried to FaceTime or video chat your loved ones on Christmas Day, but it barely works because the the system is overloaded. <laughs> um, but I really uh, just was desperate for God's peace. And so I started praying and searching for an answer. God, show me, show me what, give me peace, you know, just show me what this is all about, why, why I feel so unsettled. And uh, what the Lord brought me to actually was uh, Philippians chapter two, which is not traditionally a Christmas passage. But this is what he showed me the meaning of Christmas is. And, oh, there we got it. Okay. And uh, I'll just ask Donna to skip down to um, verse 5. There we go. That you must have the same attitude that Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. 
And God said, the real meaning of Christmas is giving yourself selflessly and humbling yourself so that you can give to others, pouring out God's love for the people around you. That's the real meaning of Christmas. And it was like a light just shined. All of a sudden I realized, you know, I still missed my family, but the the weight wasn't there anymore because I, I remembered, you know, it's not all about me and what I'm missing. It's about what God did for me that I can give to others. I wanted to talk about the meaning of Christmas and what it means to me. And this is what God showed me that Christmas. And I kind of maybe already knew it, but it just became really, really clear that particular year. That was 2014. Christmas is all about God's generosity. His generosity was the gift of Jesus, the little baby that would grow to become the Messiah, the King of kings and Lord of lords, would die a terrible death, be raised from the dead, and then ascend to the right hand of the Father and eventually come back and establish his kingdom forever on this earth. Peace with no end. Amen. Right? Which is awesome. And that's why the angels could sing and rejoice, peace on earth, goodwill to men, because they knew the end of the story. They knew what was coming and why God did it. So we celebrate God's generosity, and we celebrate that by giving that generosity to other people. We give selflessly because Jesus served, so we serve. We find a way to help somebody else, and it might be a small thing, and it might be a big thing, and it doesn't have to be the traditional thing, but you can search your heart and ask God, how can I help somebody else? Take the focus off of myself and put the focus on somebody else, and how can I serve that person? Um, In Matthew 20, verse 25, Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. And we all know that to be true, don't we? You've all had that boss that was just so excited to be a boss that they had to make sure everybody knew they were in charge and they were going to, you know, make your life miserable because they could, because they were the one with the power. Definitely had that boss. And it just seems like that's the way the world works. The ones that have the power flaunt the power. And God's saying the kingdom of God does not work that way. It's the opposite of that. So then in verse 26, Jesus said, But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be a servant. And whoever wants to be first, you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And that's our example. He came to serve. And if you read the book of Mark, um, maybe it's just Mark's writing style. He was a guy of action. But the way it's written, it just really gives this impression that Jesus, once he began his ministry, he never had time for himself, except for the time that he took to go up on the mountain and pray and spend time with his father alone. But other than that, it was like stepped out of the boat on the shore and instantly met with a multitude of people who wanted to hear teaching, who wanted to be healed. They wanted something from him, and he served. And then He would get done serving that group of people, and they would walk to the town, and immediately 
or even on the road, people would come, you know, the the lepers came and found him on the road and asked him, you know, to bless them. And then he would get to the next town, and as soon as he stepped into the town, you know, at the gate, he would be met by somebody asking for something. And, and he gave, and he gave, and he gave. And, you know, I am so grateful that Jesus never said, I'm too tired today. You all have asked so much of me. I am done giving. I just need to set a boundary right here. And uh, I think that you have asked too much. So I'm going to take some time for me and go off and do my thing. And you all need to stop asking. No. When he got to the point where he was given and given and given, and I only know this because it's the heart of God, I'm certain that he would just say, God, I'm running empty. I need your love. God would pour it into him. That's why he took the time to spend time with the Father in prayer so he could find direction for his ministry. And that's why it's so, so vital and important that even when we're so busy this Christmas that we take time to spend with our Father in heaven in prayer, listening to what he has to say and reading his word because that's the only way we're going to keep our perspective and that's the only way that we're going to be full of love and generosity and kindness to give to that annoying relative that you can't stand that's going to come to dinner or to the, you know, little kids that are fighting over the new toy or the, you know, the dinner that burned and you're just losing it or or whatever the annoying, stressful situation is. The love that you need to deal with that and show and pour out God's love to other people, that's found by asking the Father to pour his love for those people into you. And then it flows out. It just flows out. Okay, so we'll go back to the first Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. I'm using the New Living Translation. I usually read the New King James. That's what I grew up with, so it's just familiar to me. But sometimes I like to switch and read another translation because it, like, brings out something I didn't notice before or says it a different way. So um, if you're reading it in your Bible, it's not required to bring your Bible to church, although most religious people would have you believe that you're a better Christian if you do that. I don't believe that, but I think if you want to study God's Word, it helps some people to read it and hear it. So I'll just throw that in there as an extra. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together in one mind and purpose. Now, sometimes that seems really impossible in the church as everybody's got something to disagree about, it seems like. Sometimes uh, church people can be some of the most challenging people you'll meet. Sometimes they'll be really sweet and precious and you'll just love them, and then other times they can be really challenging. And and uh, so the the scripture that says, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other and loving one another. Sounds real easy and great as you're reading it there and thinking of the people in church that you like, but then you think about somebody that just rubs you the wrong way and 
agreeing wholeheartedly with them doesn't seem quite so easy. But how can we do that? We do that because we have God's love for them in our hearts. He pours his love into us, and then we pour it out to other people. We work together in one mind and purpose. And then verse 3, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And that was what really struck me. Jesus had this attitude. So if he had it, I can have it too. You know, uh, we're called to be like Christ. That's what the name Christian means, those people who are like Christ. So let's do that <laughs> as often as possible, right? Um, have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. And I am so grateful <laughs> for that. You know, uh, the that um, proud power-hungry manager that I talked about earlier, that would be the person that would think, well, if I'm God, I'm going to act like it. I'm going to, you know, take all the riches and the glory and the wealth. But Jesus didn't feel like he had to hold on to that. He didn't have anything to prove to anybody. He just had to be obedient to his father. And so he he was okay with just saying, yeah, I'm, I'm, I have the likeness of God. I'm the son of God, but I don't have to go around proving that to everybody. I'm just going to be obedient to my father. So he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, and so it, the story doesn't end there. I'm so thankful for the therefore, and the therefore is in our life too. So we humble ourselves, we serve others, and then there's always a therefore. Therefore, God elevated him to a place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. That covers a lot of ground, doesn't it? <laughs> And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Um, now, in Romans 8, it says that um, we are joint heirs with Christ, so if we suffer with him, we'll also be glorified together. Now, that glorified together, that's the place of highest honor that it says in verse 9. And in verse 10... And in verse 11, that honor that is ascribed to the Father when we are obedient to the Lord, when we are heirs with him, which is just being a Christian. I mean, there's nothing. You don't have to earn it. When you're a Christian, you inherit that. It's your inheritance. It's who you are. It's your identity. So you don't have to work to earn it. So it's not how good of a Christian you are. It's just being an heir. It's your identity. And so that identity, who you are in Christ, um, gets you to be glorified together with the Father. So we don't have to prove anything to anybody. We just love the Father, let his love pour into us, and then it flows out to other people. Meaning number one of Christmas. Number two, second thing, is I believe Christmas is about 
welcoming the people who don't have a place to go. Now, um, I think some people get so wrapped up in family, and I'm not saying that about anyone else here, just I've heard it in my life that um, you think, well, it's Christmas, so I only want to spend it with my family. And I can understand that sentiment, but that's not the heart of the Father. The heart of the Father is to bring in the fatherless and the widows. And I'll show you that in the scriptures here. Um, in First Peter 2, uh, verse 9, You are a chosen people. You are a royal priests. You are a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. So we were outcasts from the kingdom of God, and then he brought us out of that darkness into light to be in his kingdom with him. Um, once you had no identity as a people, and now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, and now you have God's mercy. So his heart is to bring us into his family. So why wouldn't he want us then to go out and bring other people into our family? You know, that's why Jesus came. He came to die, to take our sins away so that we could be part of the family of God. So as that's why he came, that's why he was born, that's why we celebrate Christmas, is glory to God in the highest, he came to make us part of his family. So um, we should bring other people into our family too. And maybe that's not inviting every stranger into your house. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying we should have that attitude and we should think about the person who maybe doesn't have family or doesn't have somewhere to go and try and incorporate them into your celebration in some way so they don't have to celebrate alone because that's the heart of God. Okay, and then um, Romans chapter 8, verse 15. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you receive God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Thank God. <laughs> that just makes me want to cheer and shout for joy. We're God's children. And um, man, if you are feeling inferior or like you're not good enough or you're not worthy or you're not lovable or you haven't done well enough, just just read that a few times over. The, his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. So then it doesn't matter if we're not good enough and it doesn't matter if we're not lovable because God loves us and he says we're his children and so that is good enough. That makes us worthy. Um, and then Psalm 68. I don't know why I always just like to give three scriptures to make a point. Sometimes there's a lot more, but it feels like more than three is too many. And less than three is like, well, maybe you could talk yourself out of that. I don't know. It's just the way my brain works. Okay, Psalm 68, verse 5. Father to the fatherless, defender of widows, that is God, whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families, and he sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. 
Now, that's Old Testament, so that's before the birth of Christ. But that's God's heart, and that's why he sent Jesus to be born, is to set the lonely in families. And so um, thing number two, if you see somebody who is feeling sad or lonely, missing someone they love, or doesn't have a place to go, ask God what you can do to help lift them up and encourage them. Okay. The third thing, which should be pretty obvious, but I feel like it's just not talked about that much in the church, or maybe I've been going to the wrong churches, I don't know. But um, the third thing that Christmas is about to me is sharing the love of God with other people, sharing the gospel, sharing the good news of Christ, sharing that we can be set free from our sins. And I think that this is the time of year that people will be most open to hear it because everybody's, um, whether they're Christian or not, are talking about Christmas. And so it just opens the door. So stick your foot in. (laughs) Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. We had to bring the Christmas scriptures in, right? (laughs) Verse 20. As he considered this, this is uh, talking about Joseph, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Awesome. He will save his people from their sins. Okay, and then Luke chapter 2, verse 9. I like people to be able to follow along. It takes time to get there. Okay, Luke 2, 9. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them. This is talking about the shepherds in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. So both the angel of the Lord that appeared to Joseph said he will save the people from their sins, and the angels that appeared to the shepherds said, the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth. That's the message of Jesus being born. Is is not just, um, you know, a really amazing, incredible, almost hard to believe story from the Bible, an acute tradition. It's the the meaning of what it meant, the glory of God. I can't imagine the the glory of God that must have been the day that he sent his son to the earth 
you know, to manifest as a human. Wow, that would have been so cool to see. Glory of God. But he pours that glory into us as his children, and then that glory radiates out. So when he says the whole earth will be filled with the glory of God as the waters cover the sea, he's talking about us. And that glory comes out of us because he puts it in us, so we shine it out. It's God's love. It's God's love is what it is. Okay, Isaiah 53. The message of the message of Jesus' birth is really the message of his death. It's what it meant for us. It's it's um we couldn't do it on our own. We sinned and we couldn't make a difference. There was nothing we could do to earn his favor. You know, there there was no way that we could make it better. We can never do enough good to make God's perfect standard. But he knew that his son could be perfect and then take the punishment for us. And so that is the message of Christmas. And so I'm going to read this, which is the Easter scripture. So it seems displaced, (laughs) but this is what it's all about. 53.3, he was despised and rejected a man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. We turn our backs on him and look the other way. Now he's talking about before we became Christians, that we turn our backs on him. And you will see that in um, the story, in the story of his death, where the Pharisees and the religious leaders and even really lots of people shouted out for him to be crucified. Go ahead and get rid of him, that he's a heretic. And... um, and that was that was us before we knew the Lord. We didn't want to have anything to do with him. We were like vehemently against the Lord, you know, fighting against him and saying, that's foolish. I don't want to have anything to do with that. But the Bible says the, the cross is foolishness to those who don't believe, but to us who believe, it is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So when you get frustrated with your... Um, people around you who don't understand just remember that it's foolishness to them but it is the power of God and the wisdom of God to you because we believe he was despised and we did not care verse four yet it was our weakness that he carried it was our sorrows that weighed him down and we thought his troubles were a punishment from God a punishment for his own sins But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be made whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. And that's the, he humbled himself. Philippians 2 says he humbled himself even to the point of death. And so if you're feeling like you couldn't do this, you just got to ask God for his love. And his love helps you to see, okay, it's not me. I didn't earn this. I couldn't. I couldn't do enough good 
Jesus paid the price, and if he could humble himself to serve others even to the point of death, then I can humble myself to serve these people around me this Christmas and really all year. And if um, if he could make a way to bring people into the family who didn't have a family, who didn't have a place, or are grieving the loss of a loved one, then I can do that too. And if he could live his whole life and face persecution to the point of death, if he could be yelled at, taunted, made fun of, called an idiot, called a heretic, called a liar, called a lunatic, and still openly preached God's good news. There is hope for this world. There's hope for you because God wants to take your sins away. Just believe in him. Just believe in his son. If we just get that vision for, and I'm speaking to myself, if I could just get that vision for that's what Christmas is about, then maybe I would be much more bold and not not be so concerned about what my friends are going to think when I tell them about how much Jesus loves them. And, um, uh, you know, all of this really is preaching to myself. I'm certainly not a perfect person, but um, but I desire to, to do what's right in the sight of the Lord. I want to be um, faithful to him. And uh, I think if you have that desire, just... Um, let go of all the rest, all the guilt, condemnation, and whatever that I'm not doing the right things, and and just um, let God's love fill you up and flow out of you to everyone around you. And when you feel like you've given it all and you've got nothing left to give, when you're feeling drained and empty or discouraged yourself, just ask the Lord to fill you up with his love again for the people around you, and he'll do it. I did want to say, you know, that I also sought, searched my heart and asked the Lord for just kind of an understanding of why we do all these traditional things, you know, at Christmas time. I love the songs because they have awesome meaning. You know, the songs that you guys chose are great and they are about worshiping the Lord and, um, you know, what Christmas means. And um, I love that. I love the bright lights in the Christmas tree and the gifts and the food. And, you know, it's all fun. I love the family and that you get together with people maybe you don't see other times of the year. And I love that Christmas is a time when people feel inclined to be most generous. And so all these charities and things, you know, like Salvation Army and the Angel Tree and um, meals for the homeless and all that tends to happen this time of year more than others. So I love that. I love that it gets people aware but I still wanted to understand how that relates to this. You know, what I just talked about, those three things that Christmas is about and why we do all of that. And I think um, what the Lord showed me or what he kind of revealed to me, made me to know, was that that's all fine as long as we keep it in perspective. So it's great to spend time with family, show the love of God to them. It's great to give gifts. God gave us a great gift. So we give the gifts. Just keep in mind the reason you're given the gift is a symbol of the gift that God gave us. Um, it's the the decorations and stuff. When you look at it, just thank the Lord for his goodness and his generosity to us. And um, I think all the traditions are fine. Just keep it in perspective of the real meaning. And um, he loves to be 
glorified and honored, and he's really not afraid of, I was going to say this, the decorations. You know, I think some people feel like that's too materialistic. It's over the top or whatever. You know, it's a waste of time or a waste of money. But God didn't spare any expense when he told Moses to decorate his tabernacle. And he didn't spare any expense when he told Solomon to build his temple. He loves to be worshipped and honored with all our stuff too. So if we can do that, if we can decorate and give generously and go big and go all out and do it for the glory of God, then I think he's honored by that. So um, I know it's this more serious message than y'all are used to hearing from Pastor Scott, but that's just the way I am. And Robert told me I had to be myself, and I said, well, I really don't know how to be anybody else. <laughs> a lot of people have asked me about, you know, um, taking over the ministry from my dad and what that's going to look like. And they always say, are you going to do what your dad did? And I say, well, I'm not my dad. I have some similarities to him. I think uh, he wasn't afraid of what other people thought. He did what he thought was right. And I feel the same way. I, I'm just not concerned about doing things the expected way. If it's what God wants, then that's what I want to do. But as far as, you know, he was funny and he was loud and demonstrative. And he, you know, was very bold and outspoken. And uh, I don't know if I'll ever be a fiery preacher like he was, but... Um, I want to be obedient to whatever God calls me to do. So um, what the ministry will look like going forward is what God wants it to be, probably with a little bit of Sarah flavoring. Um, <laughs> and my mom is a part two, so Sarah and Mary flavoring. But um, it's uh, it's exciting. I'm excited. Whenever you uh, Whenever you're obedient to do what God calls you to do, and you know he's with you, man, anything is possible. It's like, it doesn't matter the money, it doesn't matter the situation, the circumstances, the time, the whatever it is that is holding you back. When you know God is with you, when you know he's making the way, then what have I got to be afraid of? You know, what? what is there left to worry about? God of the universe is taking it. <laughs> so... Um, that's, yeah, there's some logistical stuff that I'm a little more concerned about, but whenever I get concerned, I just put it in his hands and say, this is up to you, God, anyway. You're the one who told me to do it, so <laughs> you better figure it out. And, um, so it'll be exciting. I don't know what it's going to look like, but we'll see going forward. And, um, you know, this is It'd be a different Christmas because my dad's not here. Um, but I just wanted to say the people who, if you are have are missing somebody from your family photo this Christmas, um, that, well, number one, keeping in mind that God's generosity is about serving others. It's about including people who don't have a place to go and that it's about sharing the gospel then missing someone from your family photo doesn't seem like quite as important if you're not paying attention to the Hallmark movies that tell you you have to have your family or it's not really Christmas. 
You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, so it takes away some of the weight of that. But also, um, God has wants to give peace. He wants to give peace to that. He wants to soothe that hurt. And it's going to be painful because you're missing somebody you care about. But um, whenever you're feeling that way, just ask God for peace. And I know he'll he'll soothe that like a like a like putting a soothing balm on a on a sore and that's what he can do for you that's god's love for us so um that's what i'm looking forward to and i i really um you know thanksgiving was tough for us and after thanksgiving was over i had this dread i'm like oh no 30 more days i have to go through this 30 more days i can't wait for christmas to be over and then um, I, the next day, I said, "You know what? I don't want to be. I don't want to be miserable. I don't want to be miserable every day. I'm not going to dread something. I'm going to focus on the meaning of Christmas, and I'm going to let God give me peace when I need peace. And we're just going to do it one day at a time, like that. So I hope that encourages somebody. Um, if you would um, just bow your head, and we'll pray together." God, we want to worship you. We want to give you honor and glory. That's really what this holiday is about. It's about celebrating you and who you are and what you did for us. And so we just give you honor and glory. We're so thankful for your precious gift, a little baby that grew to be the mighty Savior of the world and the King of the universe. We're so thankful. God, I pray that you would encourage and strengthen and fill your love up in each heart today. And um, let us go forth and be your ambassadors this holiday season. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message on the generosity of God. If you'd like to hear more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more teachings, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, Visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.